Thank you. And because I only have 10 minutes, I'm just going to go straight into my presentation. So research has a central role to play in shaping the future directions of equity policy and practice, creating innovative methodologies and providing detailed and, and nuanced analysis to examine and unearth the root causes of ongoing and enduring inequalities. Equity is not only about lifting concrete barriers, but is also about addressing historical exclusions and the subtle processes in which the knowledges, experiences, and cultures of some communities across the world have been marginalized and even ignored, whilst others have been privileged and given prestige, legitimacy, and status. Higher education is a key site of knowledge production. It's a space where life chances are formed and new futures are forged at both the level of the personal but also at the level of the social. It is imperative that all communities across society have access to higher education and have parity of participation. And yet, across all nations, there is inequality in patterns of access and participation in higher education, even where there's been significant investment in widening participation. This raises the perplexing question, why is it that despite extensive levels of investment in equity initiatives in higher education, inequalities continue to persist? Equity in higher education poses serious challenges then because it is bound up with long-standing and deeply entrenched historical inequalities. Our frameworks for equity must be designed with great sensitivity to the profound impact of historically embedded inequalities. These are deeply connected to processes of misrecognition and associated with the ways that higher education is historically a space of social exclusion and who is seen or not seen as having the right to higher education is attached to long-standing constructions of potential ability and capability that value certain histories, knowledges, and ways of being and exclude others. We often think about equity as about providing fair access and treating everyone the same. The problem is thus seen as simply creating transparent and standardized practices to ensure that all those with potential have access to higher education regardless of their social background. However, in some of my research and in other people's research, for example, my research with Jackie McManus on admissions practices in English art and design courses, um, this research revealed that potential is tied up very closely with subjective constructions. For example, who might be constructed as having potential? In order to be recognized as having potential, the applicant must first know the particular ways to present themselves as having potential. We found, for example, in art and design admissions processes, this might include knowing where to shop, knowing where to travel, knowing which museums and galleries to go to, knowing which artists and designers to be inspired by, and what forms of art to be interested in. Above that, the performance of attributes such as being witty, dressing with style, and being motivated are all part of the process of becoming recognized as having potential in that particular uh, disciplinary field. Of course, it plays out in different kinds of disciplinary fields. So it's also important to challenge deficit constructions that are associated with equity. Categorizations are a useful device to, a, 
to, uh, to identify an appropriate target group for the redistribution of resources, but they also contribute to the perpetuation of social divisions and hierarchies through reju reducing that person or group to one aspect of identity. We must make visible the way such constructions are entangled in cycles of exclusion and devise inclusive, reflexive, and participatory frameworks that challenge such misrecognitions. The increasing levels of instrumentalism and utilitarianism shaping widening participation frameworks have been challenged for failing to engage significant and complex questions relating to the right to higher education, not only about who has access, but also the purposes of and what it means to participate in higher education in the 21st century. Although, although most universities now aspire to showcase their diversity, this is often couched in the language of the market and the growing levels of commercialization of higher education. Such frameworks fail to problematize the ways that diversity is deeply entangled with such historical inequalities I alluded to earlier and the politics of difference and also of recognition. We often talk about equity, but we rarely stop to uh, think in detail what we mean when we use that term. However, of course, there are contested meanings of equity and of widening participation and inclusion and so forth. And these differences make a significant difference in the ways we develop policy and practice. Depending on how we see the problem, we will create various different strategies, each of which will carry its own assumptions, values and perspectives, each of which will have very different effects. The ways we give meaning to equity shapes and constrains our imaginations of what is possible. Increasingly, we are concerned to develop evidence-based policy and practice, but I would prefer that we speak about research-informed. Evidence emphasizes generalizability and objectivity with a strong focus on the tangible, observable, and measurable. We need evidence, of course, to show that equity matters in the ways it matters, but within broader methodological frameworks that capture the contextual and subjective layers of inequality, which are often unwittingly reproduced through taken-for-granted practices or assumptions when they're detached from uh, research and interrogation. So we need to develop practice in dialogue with research to ensure that those taken for granted meanings that unwittingly perpetuate inequalities are both challenged and hopefully in the future eradicated. Experiences of inequality and misrecognition are almost impossible to articulate in a wider context in which the logic of measurement is upheld and the personal is relegated to the anecdotal. The emotional is excluded from this realm so that the lived and embodied experiences of misrecognition and symbolic violence, in Bourdieu's terms, is hidden and silenced. Evidence is the dominate, uh, dominant discourse. If it can't be measured, it does not count. Generating knowledge and insight about the ways that insidious inequalities work requires a range of fine-tuned research methodologies. Such methodologies must be sophisticated enough to capture how inequality is contextual and emotional, as well as to trace, map, and quantify patterns of inequality that are intersecting, multiple, and relational. 
Research in the field of equity in higher education has noted that widening participation policy discourses tend to focus on outreach and access, projecting the problem as out there, outside of universities, and paying little attention to participation in higher education and university students and indeed university teachers' experiences of inequality and exclusions. Research on higher education pedagogies, for example, has shown that taken-for-granted teaching practices are often complicit in perpetuating exclusions and inequalities. Research uncovers that locating equity units at the peripheries of higher education and failing to ensure that equity strategies and initiatives are research-informed often has the unfortunate effect of simply reproducing inequalities. Detaching equity from the main work of the university fails to embed a culture of inclusivity into the structures, practices, uh, practices, and values of institutions, at best framing equity in tokenistic and superficial ways. At worst, it leads to the reproduction of pathologizing constructions of those groups who've become associated with policies of access, equity, and widening participation. And this is because of flawed assumptions that the problem lies with individuals from socially disadvantaged backgrounds who lack aspiration or lack appropriate attitudes and dispositions. This is a form of profound misrecognition and is connected to the persistent discounting of the experiences, cultures, and identities and knowledges of underrepresented and misrepresented communities. This legacy of misrecognition shapes views of who can be a university student and restricts our imaginations of what is possible. As a result, precious resources are wasted and opportunities are missed to redistribute opportunities and life chances to those groups and communities who have historically been underrepresented in higher education on multiple levels, not just in terms of gaining access, but also in terms of having parity of participation in the development of teaching, learning, research, curriculum, and the ways we think about what and who the university is for. Globalization and economic pressures have often reduced the purpose of higher education to uh, to instrumentalism with growing levels of stratification, as we've heard throughout the day, often translating into substandard forms of higher education for non-traditional students. Equity is necessarily a long-term project that requires strategies and practices informed by cutting-edge research methodologies. Building equitable higher education is imperative to all our futures. Growing inequalities poses a threat to all of us on multiple levels, and higher education has a key role to play in ensuring more socially just and thus peaceful and stable societies into the future. The power of higher education is immeasurable and profound, but it can be both reproductive and transformative, and research has a key role in tracing through how power circulates and with what effects. So I argue that we need a praxis-based approach to equity that brings interdisciplinary and critical research in dialogue with policy and practice in reciprocal, iterative, and collaborative frameworks. 
the field of research in equity in higher education must be brought into closer relation with equity policy and practice to build collaborative processes that aim to uncover and challenge the exclusionary effects of technologies of regulation, standardization, and homogenization. Such a praxis-oriented framework requires critical and reflexive attention to the affective, cultural, subjective, and symbolic dimensions of higher education access and participation to processes of misrecognition as well as to forms of redistribution. Thank you.